0: That system that you're doing, as you as you start to turn the hip and, and drop it down the other side, like you mentioned, it just primes all the lats and the serratus anterior and all the muscles that are used to actually do that catch and pull, and it just, it just makes it much more effective and, and powerful, as opposed to just sort of keeping that sort of still and then just putting the arm down, which is only sort of the end of the chain of the movement. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford.
1: Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. This is episode number 134. I've got a guest from a previous episode, uh, episode number 123, Carl Reeder from South Africa. So Carl, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks Brent, thanks for having me back again.
1: It's my pleasure and uh, you, I did a, a video recently on the Serape effect, which is uh, a way to increase the, the, the power through uh, part of your stroke. Um, using some some primary muscles through the trunk, and um, I sent an email out about it, and you replied um, about some exercises and and ways that you've used to develop the uh, the ability to use that Serape effect uh, with clients. So that's primarily what I, I want to talk about today. And your background is obviously in functional movement and exercise phy- physiology. So you're the uh, you're the main man when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I'd love to get your uh, your take and your experience on. Uh, developing this Serape effect in in swimmers and how people can use some dry land exercises to to do it. So um, we might start off with uh, you know what uh, what's your experience uh, with with the with this kind of uh, movement in uh, in athletes, whether it be swimming or other sports. Oh.
0: Well, you know, it's, it, as you said, it's a, it's a functional – it's actually a highly functional movement. And what we've found in the past and just through the training and the whole sort of philosophy is, you know, it was generating power from one part of the body. So, like, if you're doing um, arm wrestling, you would just use your arm. If you're going to do golf, you just sort of swing the arm as hard as you can. Uh, where now we get into that position where we're realizing that it's, so, it's so connected. It's a kinetic chain. And so we've, we've really been on this thing of when you use the whole body. If you can imagine um, – Like, I hate to bring this always to the forefront, but, like, if you watch often men punch, uh, you'll see that they they, they wind up their whole body. And if you watch uh, women often punch, you'll see uh, – Obviously, they've been trained to punch, but it's just a natural thing. They sort of just use their arm. They don't generate that sort of power um, unless they've been taught to do that. I don't know why that is, but it's, it's not a discrimination. But you'll see that difference very clearly. Um, I've got a five-year-old boy, and you want, you say, throw the ball, and you see he winds up the whole body uh, where the little girls just sort of throw it along, um, you know, just using their arm. And so that, that's kind of where we, we get, we're moving towards is why is wise, getting that whole body to twist and generate power as opposed to just getting a single joint to generate power.
1: And uh, I guess we should probably talk a little bit more about what the Serape effect is before we, we go into it in, in too much detail. But um, I yeah. might give my, my take first in, in swimming and then maybe your take uh, overall uh, from all the different sports that you do. So um, basically one of the, the ways that you can um, generate more, more power through the stroke is um, when you're uh, basically at, you're at, you're in freestyle, you're reaching forward and extending with one arm out in front. You want your opposite hip to be lifted up, so you're basically uh, lengthening the muscles through your kind of through your hips, through your your, your midsection, through your core, all the way up to um, kind of up to the ribs. And as they're they're lengthening, you'll start the the catch and the kick, and you'll start to rotate to the other side. And it's this contraction and shortening of the muscles that give this sort of snapback effect. To get this nice sort of drive forwards to the other to the other side, and it's really that sort of uh, that flow and that nice uh, rhythm that you see really good swimmers have, and it's it's how you can basically just take a lot of the uh, a lot of the effort out of just really trying to muscle your way through the stroke with your arms, and you can really use your uh, your your trunk and your uh, your whole body to uh, generate speed and, and propulsion. Uh, so that's kind of my take on it from a, a freestyle or a swing perspective um what what about you how's how was my interpretation of it
0: no, that's a great. It's a good interpretation. I think you see it, with the, with the turning of the hips, you you, you bring in, you, you sort of start the flow of movement. You start it, you get that you, that you power up. You almost prime the the core system, and it's important for the listeners to understand. You've got different systems in the body, and so that 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 system that you're doing as you as you start to turn the hip and, and drop it down the other side, like you mentioned, it just primes all the lats and the serratus anterior and all the muscles that are used to actually do that catch and pull, and it just it just makes it much more effective and, and powerful. Powerful, as opposed to just sort of keeping that sort of still and then just putting the arm down, which is only sort of the end of the chain of the movement. So you, you're having to really um, generate as much power as you can through your shoulders, as opposed to all the power you've lost by priming that system.
1: Yeah, and the way I the way I normally explain this at uh, at clinics is uh, when uh, let's say you've got a, a baseball and you're okay. asked to throw it as far as you possibly can. Do it without rotating your hips and your shoulders, or you can use as your arm. So there's no rotation at all through the body. See how far exactly. you get it. And then once you're allowed to open up through your, your hips and your, your upper body, you're going to get that ball so much further. Like you think of someone pitching a, a baseball and it's a, it's that effect. That's the Serape effect in, in action.
0: Exactly. And we have that in the golf swing as well, but as you said, baseball or all pretty much ball sports, throwing, it's 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 used. And we'll we'll touch on exercises that the guys can do and you know doing the gym as well, because it's it's something that I often see um, the incorrect placements of the position on the land that doesn't that actually sort of goes counterbalances the Serapa effect.
1: Yeah, right. So let's uh, let's get into to some of that. So what uh, where should we start? Maybe some of the exercises that people can do to Uh, start to develop this in their uh, in their movements
0: yeah, I, I mean, it, it's, there's so many, but it's, one of them is, is even just boxing. Like, if you had a, a, if you were to have punching gloves on and you were punching a bag, you know, you wouldn't just punch just with your arms. You would be using your whole body, uh, if, that, if you can picture that. And then the other thing is, you know, like things like lat pull backs, not lat pull downs in the gym where you're sitting down, but where you actually have the your, the, the cable in front of you and you, you're pulling. I'll I'll do some videos for you, like last time, and share that with the guys. But just basically, where you are standing in a, in a, in front of the of the of the machine and then pulling the, the arm back, if you can imagine, sort of like pulling your elbow back behind you. Okay. But and I'll go into some of the technique stuff now because it's very important is a lot, of the, a lot of the positions that people stand, they stand with their feet in line with one another. So they stand square to the machine. And so you've got now balance on the sideways plane, but if someone was to come and push you forwards or backwards, you wouldn't have that stability. So you, you're not in a good position. And then what happens is you stand in what they call a split leg position where you have your left leg uh, in front of your right leg, and very often many of the of the of the guys who are doing this in the gym, their legs are too split. So now you have front and back support, but now you don't have the lateral support. And one of the one of the major players or muscles that are working in, in, the, in the body there are your obliques, your side rotational muscles, and your abdominals. And so if there's any sort of um, instability with imbalance. Uh, then that seems to be a major handbrake for you to actually generate power. So that correcting the position is important, and and the correct position is just is to stand slightly split and about just just about shoulder width apart. And I'll document that on the in the video and just show people the correct position because that that plays a major part of getting the abs and the whole system to work properly.
1: Mm. Yeah, I like I like that, and we one of the things that I are doing clinics with people so one of the the sort of final drills we do it's uh it's almost like a sort of single arm freestyle drill with a slight variation to it but when they uh when they're doing this drill one of the things we kind of have to adjust for for most people is we've got to get them to actually reach forwards first so reaching forwards with their arm before they start pulling open up through that opposite hip so rotating the hips and that's getting that that lengthening of of the muscles and actually kind of getting on the side a bit because if they don't get that reach forward with the hand and open it and, and lifting up through the opposite hip, they're not going to get that Serape effect and um, and once they do make that change you, you see their stroke just or their distance per stroke increase massively uh, because of it and uh, and then I think you know doing this stuff on land is a really good way to transfer um, is a really good way to kind of get this stuff happening in the water uh, a lot better. Absolutely, so. Yeah. So is, is that kind of the first uh, thing that you'd start with is the is the position of people?
0: No. Well, I, I think getting them to really understand because, you know, we're talking about athletes here, but the majority, a lot of the guys, listeners may just not be, you know, athletes. is actually just doing where you teach them this thing where you sort of uh, swinging your arms even just walking where, you, where you're not just swinging the arms you've got the whole body moving and then you go into the sort of sort of these punches where you sort of horizontal punches out in front of you so left arm back right arm punching forward and then teaching them to to bring the hips as well to get to, get the to move the whole body uh, like we're talking about the hips uh, the same with doing a shoulder press, like when you when you take a shoulder press exercise, you take a light weight, and as they're punching up into the air, that they, actually the whole hip moves to the left. So as the right arm goes up as if you're doing a reach in swimming, your left hip should be turning to the left-hand side as well. It should be opening up. So it's quite a good exercise to also to do with the swimmers to get them used to this idea of I'm not just reaching my arm out. The whole body is moving out. And then, obviously, if you were going to do the pull down that would to create this sort of similar sort of effect for swimming, you'd have a you'd stand under a cable like a lat pull down machine and, and get them to pull down, but not just pull down with the arm but pull down and twist the hips at the same time.
1: Yeah, nice. And, um, and, and so, would you be using these more to train the the full movement, so getting all these um, muscles to work together? Uh, especially in the beginning, obviously, but is it, is it more about getting the muscles to work together rather than trying to strengthen that, that movement?
0: Or is it oh, a combination of both? It's a bit of a combination, but I think to start off with, you've got to build a coordination. You've got to get the guys feeling what it, what does it actually feel like? Like, and I think your analogy of throwing the the ball is also great. You know, they can actually feel like, you know, you don't need to go now and strengthen hectic muscles to throw the ball. You can actually see the effect straight away by turning the body. So just getting them to feel like, well, if I put on a 10 K weights and I I use my arm and then I use my body, I can feel that feels much lighter and more efficient. Um, and you don't want the movement and that's what we're training. You don't want the movement to be sort of, um, disconnected, which we see a lot in golfers that they, they try and flip their hips now, and then they lose, they lose their connection with the arm and then, or like you you'll, you have your swimmers sort of directing their thoughts towards their hips and then they'll forget to pull, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I find it's, um, yeah, it can take a little while to, to develop that especially if they if they haven't currently got that in their stroke that coordination um it's it's going to be pretty awkward for two or three weeks at least and uh uh, but they'll probably find over the course of a couple of weeks they start to get it more and more and they notice when they they get it they feel like all right man that was that was good I, i could feel that sort of flow coming into the stroke and uh and what i find with the with freestyle that um that can help with people to kind of progression in a way that they can can go through is so first of all you want to make sure that you're uh, reaching out enough you're rotating your uh, your torso and your hips correctly so for you know generally it's going to be about 40 45 degrees through your uh, shoulders rotation side to side yes and the hips yes. will be about sort of 30 35 yeah, roughly that so a bit less than the shoulders uh, now if, if they're in that position then then they've got a, a good chance of having that Sarape effect come into play. But what can help them in, in freestyle is uh, to really make use of it. You want to get your catch. So the sort of downwards tipping of their hand or the fingertips, get that to sync up with the downwards kick of your leg on the same side and that's going to help initiate that rotation to the to the other side so if you can get the correct rotation you can get the catch and the downwards kick to sync up then um then you you, it's going to make everything a whole lot easier so i find there sort of two um two things that you you need to have in place to get the the effect of it otherwise you're you're kind of uh it's going to be hard to do
0: yeah no and 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 i think like you said if you if you try and sometimes teaching it like step by step can be, can be uh, confusing because we tend to think a lot of people are so over analytical that they sort of their mind gets stuck on, um, you know, if you tell someone to throw the ball and then you say, well, before you throw gently, rotate your hips to 30 degrees, now rotate. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, if you just say, just throw the ball, then they go, well, okay, you want me to do this? And they go, yes. And then they they get the movement. So, I mean, that's where your coaching. you, You can see, you know, straight away, like this is actually, Confusing the person. It's it's funny because it's such a natural movement. It's just that we've been so programmed by the fitness industry to isolate movements, and I think we've got. That's why we're trying to get back to functionality again.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's. Uh, it it kind of goes along with. Oh uh, o- well, just overthinking things in general. But uh, as soon as you, as soon as you're thinking too hard about a movement, you're going to lose the timing of it so while i think it's some of these movements you might want to do slowly like with some of our sort of catch drills and so on like you you want to do them slowly so you know that you're in the right position and you can make sure that you're there but then when it comes to actually bringing that into your normal stroke you want to back off some of that uh that the thinking the thinking side of your brain and go a bit more for feel and especially for this Serape effect, like you will feel when it's, when it's happening. And if you can just yes. kind of uh, try and uh, replicate that feel as often as you can, as opposed to thinking really hard at trying to do it, uh, you're gonna be so much better off going for that, that feeling side of things.
0: Well, I mean, if you surf or you do any sports that require th- those coordination, it, you, you'll find when you get into that zone—not in the zone, like that, that—that feeling, you, you're not—you're not trying hard. It's just you know, you, for surfing, you're letting the wave drive you. You know, if it's, uh, you know, it's golf, it, it feels like an effortless shot. You're not—you're not forcing it. And I always tell my clients. When you watch professionals, it looks effortless and that's because it is effortless. They're not, they're not expending a lot of energy unless it's weight building or like they're having to do some sort of like rugby physical task. But I also want to touch Brent if we can go there is, is some of the roadblocks or, or not roadblocks handbrakes to the Sarape effect. I'm not I'm sh- sure if, if your listeners would be interested in that.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Let's get into it.
0: So you you mentioned the the overthinking you know we we know that the right side of the brain is 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 the analytical side sorry the left side of the brain is the analytical side so what happens is that when people are trying too hard uh, to 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 try to improve a technique it it, it sort of sends it sort of primes the right hand side nervous system and so actually, they actually they actually avoid left side uh, so your whole left side is compromised. So you find that they're pulling too hard on the right side and the left side is not getting. So you may even find in swimming that they, they, they can turn their head easy to the right, but not to the left. And that also may be a postural thing or, 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 or a um, just not a coordination thing, but you'll find that they, they tend to get tight on the right-hand side and it affects the whole left-hand side. So that's quite an interesting thing because you want both sides to be working pretty efficient. And, you'll find we talked about this before as well. You've got asymmetries in the body, so that can be postural. It can just be many things. Their daily works, um, maybe they've got one leg longer than the other. There's a lot of things going on there, but you want that sarape effect to be, you know, maybe 55, 45. You don't want to have like 70% on the right side and 30% on the left hand side, especially if you want to really improve your technique and get, uh, be competitive.
1: So, um so looking at that, so there's uh there's issues sort of uh functionally and and with mobility uh with a lot of people that will restrict their ability to sort of put this in the in the place and and put it in sort of evenly uh on both sides is that what you're saying
0: that's what i'm saying yeah so you'll find some people say i'm just so much so much easier to do on my right hand side and so much harder to do on my left hand side or i feel so like i I don't feel like i can coordinate or get the right muscles working and Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of part of what I do with with my guys is is saying, okay, well let's just find out where those handbrakes are because, you even though your technique might be right, if the muscles are not firing, you, you're not going to feel that effect. Uh, so back pain's another one, uh, tight hamstrings are the things that really can lock up and stop that surapa effect happening. Because remember, your your hamstrings play a big role in hip, um, knee and hip uh, rotation. So you know it's just trying to piece the, together the puzzle and find out. Um, why they're not getting that movement. A hip flexors, I, I know you're aware of those. Those are also really can lock out the Serape effects because that's kind of where they start. Um, so we need to look at how can we release those hip flexors and uh, and also um, rotation is such a big part of the Serape. Like you said, just rotate your body. So any sort of rotational, so the hip rotation, and what I find is your upper back is where your rotation generally takes place in the lower, in the body, in the back. If it's tight through the, that middle thoracic spine, you really find that serot effects greatly diminished.
1: Oh, c- completely! And there's there's two things I want to sort of touch on there. The the first one is that thorac- uh, thoracic mobility. Like, um, I've I've sort of found this uh, when I've travelled a lot or been driving a lot, and also just carrying carrying the kids around. Like, my my thoracics are I think about fifty percent down on what they would normally be if I'm. Yeah, feeling good yes. and, and flexible and uh and it just I, I can't recover as easily. i can't rotate as easily in in the stroke so i think that's that's absolutely uh key especially for for swimming and i know uh, a lot of uh a lot of physios who have worked with the uh with the australian swim team and and top level swimmers and it is it is one of the um the primary things that they look at is that thoracic mobility and i mean most of those guys are fine but uh, uh especially among the you know people who has, just swimming recreationally, it's uh, it's a big one, and and that uh, hip flexor uh, mobility as well. So with uh, with the stroke, you know, when we look at people kicking, a lot of the times they can't lift their uh, leg up enough in the the up kick to where their yes. the the thigh always stays below the the hip line. So basically, they're creating drag on their on their thighs because they can't lift their leg up high enough um you kind of starting from the glutes and then using the hands yes. a bit as well um, because yeah. they're so tight through there so I think if you can get if you can have decent thoracic mobility decent hip flexor mobility um it just frees you up to do uh, a lot more in the stroke and and get this serape effect happening and um I know that's yeah that's a big chunk of what of what you do um, with people where you are and also Online, like the functional sort of movement screening. So, can you go into a bit of detail with um, the, I guess, the process that, that you go through with with people to analyze where they're where they're at with their functional movement, and then the uh, the way that you go about helping them make those changes that they need to.
0: Well, it's you know just starting off with their biggest problem. You know, they'll say to me either their hip their hip flexors are tight, or they don't know why they can't generate power, or you know they've had a chronic shoulder problem. And then we just generally look at what what exercises they're doing. And I will, you know, I often just look at the technique. They say, well, Carl, I'm doing squats, I'm doing this, and I'm doing the lat pull downs, like you said. And then I will have a look at them and say, Well, you know, your feet are in the wrong position, your knees aren't soft. You you it's quite clear your, your thoracic spine is, is is very stiff and you are trying to generate power from from your from your arm and, and there's no mobility going through the thoracic or the upper back, for those who aren't familiar with the medical term. So really just guide them through that. And, and also I, I do a lot with the mind and the body. So like I say to them, you know, are you trying hard here? And they say, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I'm I've got to get this right. You hear, especially with professional athletes, I've got to get this right. I've got to get this right. And, and I, and I just try to, like you said, go back to feeling and, and suddenly they'll say, but now my, my whole body feels so much looser. What you, what have you done? And I said, I haven't done anything. All I've done is this point to you where the, where the roadblock is or where the handbrake is. And, um, Often with the hip flexors is, is is it's quite an emotional muscle. So this is why we're finding a lot of people, besides just sitting for long days in cars and, and, and chairs, it's more than that. Is that we find the emotional link uh, quite powerful. And so I say to my clients, you know, Are you doing hip flexors, stretches? Oh, I've been stretching my hip flexors for years. And I say, Well, how's it going? They say, Oh, it's it's making a difference, but it's not really making a difference. And I say, Okay, well, we need to look at We've got to either we to look at your posture, and we're also going to look at the, the mind side of things as well. I think, uh, like you know, sports psychology and things—it's a major player. So I cover all those topics. Um, I don't go into too much into psychoanalysis, but I just try and point to them—the very common things that, that that go through people's minds that can lock them up.
1: Yeah, you're talking my language. I one of the things that I kind of like to get an understanding of is what are some of the beliefs that people have about about swimming and about their swimming, and we see that. A lot of a lot of the uh, faults or the issues that that will sort of come out in their in their technique is because of these uh, these beliefs that they have about what they need to do in the in the stroke and also yes. just their general um the general approach mentally to um to their their swimming so for example um sometimes people one one big one for example is the recovery so when the arms coming over the top of the water uh, people have been told you need a you need a high elbow recovery. Get a high elbow recovery, and and they see that as you need to bring your hand close to your body, get the elbow up nice and high, and it just throws the the whole body out of whack, especially if they're tight yeah. through that thoracic movement. And it's like, all right, number one, no, well, you, you sort it. You don't want a, a low or a dropped elbow recovery, but. Um, just be open with that recovery. Get that hand out wide. Give yourself some some freedom to move. That's going to free you up, and that is going to have this uh, this domino effect with the rest of the stroke. So, so uh, things like that. Also with the catch, as people are moving through the the catch phase of the stroke, we we talk about that as the setup phase. And yes. don't worry about the power there. It's it's all about get yourself in a good position. Then you can start to to build up the power. So, um, just getting them to to relax there and and again that can be one of those things that that is a handbrake for them and and in terms of sort of mindset it's like some people put so much pressure on themselves to um to to swim fast or to to improve that they they end up uh just thinking too much or or trying too hard and, and and not allowing themselves to just kind of go with the flow and feel the stroke and swimming is so much of a a feeling sport that uh, being up in their in their head too much will will stop them from um, will often stop them from improving their their swimming so you yeah, yeah I think we're um, I think we're on the same page with that uh, with that sort of thing and was that something yeah. you uh, uh, that you've always sort of coached or was it something that you that you saw as you were uh, working with people more and more
0: I think it's something. I mean, I love my sports. It's something I've experienced in my own body, and and I've I've really seen the effects of just yeah you know, working on the mind, uh, the thoughts, and also just working with you know I've been in, in the medical business now for over eighteen years, just working with patients and people who who are just just recurrent ITB bands in they run, recurrent hamstring problems, recurrent, and it just seems like we we're putting a plaster on on the, you know, we we're getting into this what we call myofascial stretches now and and. We we really just we really we're trying everything. It seems like we've got a shotgun approach, I know it sounds a bit um, controversial, but we're trying so many things to get people right. Um, and there are definitely results, but we often often we're not getting to the simple things, like you say, trying too hard. Um, we'd rather stretch the hamstring. As, I mean, the the hip flexor, like you know, till we really get it to burn, or we we just you know whatever we do, but we don't realize that like a simple thought of just changing, like take just take the foot off the gas with the trying too hard. And you you'll you'll improve like fifteen percent just like that, you know? Mm. Yeah. Definitely so does. the other thing is which is important is posture. We've talked about that before, but is is where, where I also can help with guys is, is it's getting the order of the exercises right. So it's it's trying to first get the nervous prime, the nervous system. And that, that all starts by getting the spine into better alignment. So, you know, you're doing movements, maybe if you, if you've got a hunched over posture, you're doing some gentle extensions in the right position. And then you go into what I talked about last time, the squats, the squats, I love the squats because it's one of those things that's kind of like if your cell phone, although we've passed those times now, but where in the olden days and your phone didn't work, you kind of switch it on and back on, on, off and then back on again. And the squat kind of just does that with the spine. It just sort of gets something back into, into position quite quickly if it's done correctly. And then from there, you take them through mobility rotational exercises once the spine is better, in better alignment. And, and a principle I have there is you always want to align vertically before you start aligning rotationally. So if your spine is not vertically in a good position, uh, too much flex forward or too extended, then your rotational components are compromised. And so it's really just guiding the guys into that position, saying, "We're not going to get it perfect in the, in one session, but let's before you start your gym session or land session, let's just get your spine into a much better position, uh, so that you can then do those rotational exercises."
1: Mm. Yeah, that's that's something I've sort of come back to uh, a lot, especially in the last six to twelve months when we've, we've as we've started to develop these core core principles. It's like, know, yeah, number one, you've got to be able to breathe breathe correctly and relax. If you haven't got that. Then it doesn't matter how good you are at the other things. You're probably going to get tired pretty quickly. And then the second thing is is finding your balance, and, and a big part of that is the posture that you just mentioned. And um and I've put a lot of focus into that with my own swimming, but particularly the guys that have been coaching. And uh, if you get your if you get your posture right, you get your breathing right, and you can relax. You, you know, you're halfway there because you, you're just going to be able to apply so much more power. And um, and and just uh, use the the correct muscles and be so much more effective um, with them. So uh, I think it, while it's really, uh, I guess it can be fun. Uh, yeah, it can be can be more fun to work on some of the um, the the sexier aspects of the stroke, like the the catch in the pull and all this other stuff. If you don't have those those key fundamental things in place, then uh, then you you're really fighting a losing battle there. So um, that's why I think you know the stuff that this. you know functional and and fundamental movements um, that that you have a a big background in i think that is uh, the best place to to start Uh, especially for people who may not have been doing a lot of exercise they might have taken 10 years off or 15 years off uh, and and then just gotten into it now maybe what because their kids have grown up and they've got the time or if it's just something that they've uh, that they've picked up because they want to get fit um, those with, with that haven't been sort of uh, moving or exercising uh, continuously since you know since day dot, then it's even more important because uh, if you if you can't move correctly, then that's when the the injuries uh, will come into to play, and it's gonna it's gonna you know sit you out for uh, a couple of weeks or a couple of months or uh, even longer.
0: Exactly, and I think like you said, also the thing that we see it's it's amazing is body awareness. Um, they just you ask the average, especially with the men, um, they, they just seem to be very disconnected to their body. So you I mean obviously elite athletes are, are more or more tune, in tune with their bodies, but you ask them to lift up their arm and, and then and you say, do you feel anything? And they say, uh, yeah, a little bit. And then you say, Well, how does your shoulder feel? Or actually it's really, really sore. And I'm like, I wonder why they didn't tell me that in the first place. Or or they just they can't give you an idea of how high they're lifting. And I think you know, men in particular are so goal-driven that they, they just focus on the result. They're not paying any attention to the function or the form of the movement. They're just – as long as they can bash out three sets of 10 and an exercise, um, then they're happy it's done. It's a tick. And, you know, I'm telling the guys, maybe just go even lighter. Really pay attention to what muscles do you feel working. And and, and often they'll say to me online, they'll say, I, I never really thought about that. And I'm going, well, this is the whole point. You know, you, you – I want you to be able to tell me, do you do you feel the glutes more than the hamstrings? Do you do you even feel your core? And they go, Well, not really. I feel like my calves are doing everything. And I say, Well, they are doing everything. And that's the problem. And then you go and you do your foam rolling and all your, your treatments and stuff, but you, you you actually gotta pay attention. It's very hard in the pool, but you can also get the guys to they can go, actually, yeah, I do I feel like I'm my hammies are overworking in the pool. Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, yeah, we had a camp in Hawaii back in March and uh, a friend of mine, Annie Jones, she's a swim coach based in Boulder. And she, she came out and did some coaching there and um, she took one of the open water sessions and she's, and I'm, yeah, I'm probably, I'm, I'm a guy, I'm probably guilty of focusing more on the technical details and uh, not tuning into the, my hippie side as much, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. But um, Annie yeah. is re- very good at explaining the, uh, or using analogies and getting, getting swimmers to think about things in a, in a different way. So using stories and, and using, uh, cues to, to kind of tune into how they're feeling. And one of the big things she spoke about there was uh, the swimmer who's having the most fun is, is winning. So just going, going, especially open water, go out there and enjoy it and just uh, have, have fun out there and appreciate what, a, you know, what an awesome um, place we're getting to swim and, and all this sort of stuff. And it just having that sort of mindset is is going to be much better in the the long run than going out there and uh, and just focusing on getting from A to b as quick as you you can. and I mean obviously there's a balance of both, but tuning into that uh, that feeling side can can help a lot and I think swimming is is one of those sports that uh, it, it is all about feeling.
0: yeah, and, and like you said, when you tune into that feeling side then your right brain kicks in you know and that's that's more on the right hand side of the brain. so then you're getting you're getting a really good balance because it's, it is its it's a it is a, it's, a, it's a balance you need you, you can't just be pulling hard on the right side and then inefficient on the left side, you want to try and get that balance. If there was some way we could strap electrodes to you while you're swimming and and actually get an idea of the force generation from left versus right. And and the swimmer that gets that pretty much in that sort of range where it's 50, you know, 45, 55, even 60, 40, I'd be happy with. Um, But you'll see that often it's it's more than that. It's like 70% right-hand side, 30% left-hand side. And, um, as they start to enjoy the swimming, that almost the nervous system naturally just goes into that 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 you know, balancing of the system. Mm.
1: yeah, and uh do you uh, with the athletes that you've worked with sort of face to face or or online, what's been the general timeline uh for them to sort of see a difference in uh, in their in their sport in terms of results how they're feeling what is it is it weeks is it months or does it differ depending on what those things that they need to uh to work on are
0: when it comes to technique it can be straight away so if it's a if it's a postural position you know if, if it's running we we look at their the analysis and we say your, your your foot's in the wrong position or your, your head's not looking you're not looking in the right direction or direction um position then it can be straight away when it comes to muscles it it it's it, really can also be quite quick from a postural point of view, long-term you're looking at least maybe three to six weeks before you really see that, that, that overall change, um, through the muscles. But the, the, the retraining of the pattern can be quite quick, like three weeks um, one, and one, and, especially if they incorporate it in everyday life. So even, you know, closing a sliding door at home or picking up something and then start to incorporate that sarapé effect just by doing, uh, you know, things around it, then it becomes accelerates that if they're just doing it at a gym once a week, it's, it takes longer, obviously.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I, I look at my three-year-old and he and just the way he squats to pick pick things up and it's like perfect form <laughs> it's like the, and, and then i try and do it and my uh i'm way too tight through my hips and through my achilles and everything else but uh it's uh yeah just trying to do that stuff day to day is is really beneficial so um, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast and, um, for any athletes who are listening to this and you might have some niggles in your shoulders or your knees or your hips, or you feel like you've just very restricted in some of the movements that you do, I'd recommend going to, uh, well, getting in contact with, uh, with Carl. So, uh, where can people find you and what's the best way to get in touch, Carl?
0: Yeah, I have a website. It's a, it's a South African website. It's a call reader coaching.co.za and it's Carl with a C. Or they're welcome to email me at callwellness.gmail.com, at gmail.com. And that's obviously a carl with a C again. And I, I usually respond pretty quickly. And just and any, any questions they have about their training is most welcome.
1: That's awesome. And uh, for, with those videos, we'll, um, we'll put some of those on the website at com and, uh, and link to your, uh, your website as well. So thanks again, Carl. It's been great having you back on. And I'm sure you'll be back on again too. So appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Most welcome, Brent. Thanks for having me.